This is Cinema Activist, the official podcast of Lion's Den Productions, for filmmakers and cinephiles who crave context. In this episode, we bring you part one of our conversation with the legendary Adrienne Barbeau. How are you doing, Adrienne? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. (laughs) We were just saying that, you know, we haven't seen each other in person since, wow, it's been coming up on two years, three years now. Yes. Yeah. Um. Mm. And we saw each other a couple times doing the uh, virtual premieres of Unearth, you know, in in Canada, at Fantasia, when you were in New Zealand. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't we do one uh, for Great Britain? Was yes. that the one we had? I had such trouble with my hotel Wi-Fi. It was yes. like I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I can't hear a word they're saying. <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't imagine. Quite a challenge <laughs> with the technology and the long distance. I mean, it was just. It was a miracle we were able to have you, anyways, on the call from New Zealand. You know, working with all the time zones and your busy schedule, and um, yeah, I know it wasn't optimal. Well, you know how I feel about the film, John. So anything I can do, you know, is oh, to, thank you. to thank let you so everybody much. know. So I wanted to have you on this new podcast endeavor because, you know, you you have a lot of experience in this industry from, from different angles. I mean, you write yourself, which maybe not all of, of our listeners will know, but I want to jump into, you know, your writing and your writing process a little bit of your history in the industry, you know, where where it's come from, where it's going, where it is now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even though, yeah, it's, it's probably hard to predict where it's going because everything's kind of been turned upside down, right? Yes, yeah. Up until about nine months ago, I would have told you it's not going anywhere because I just didn't think I'd, I'd, I'd write again. But I am now writing a little bit and editing and putting together a project that I'll tell you at the end. <laughs> but you wanted to know where it came from. Yeah. <laughs> as strange <laughs> as this sounds. It came from a message I got from a dead girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> how's that what? for, how's Explain that for that a horror-based horror uh, explanation? Yeah, what um, do you mean? Well, in 1998, I lost my closest friend to breast cancer. She was a, mm. a film editor, and we had met on the first day of preschool for my older boy, Cody Carpenter, mm-hmm. uh, back in, I don't know when it was, the, <laughs> the late 80s, I guess. And she was... He was, I mean, you know, as close as I am to my sister, I was as close to Suzanne Pettit was her name. She mm-hmm. um, she cut Night Mother for Tom Moore, the, the film Night Mother mm-hmm. and uh, Testament, I think, and, and, and a lot of television stuff. And I lost her to breast cancer. Mm, but on the first day of preschool for my younger boys, 
which would have been about 2000, I think, uh, a woman walked onto the campus who looked just like Suzanne. I mean, she looked so much like her that I felt myself starting to go down and I grabbed onto a, a railing because I thought I was going to pass out. And oh, she wow. said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just look like, you look very much like someone I know. And she said, oh, who? And I said, oh, you wouldn't know her. She was my best friend and she was a film editor and she passed away from breast cancer. And this woman who looked just like Suzanne said, oh, I'm a film editor and I have breast cancer. We could be best friends. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. You know, so. The universe, the universe is <laughs> speaking to you there. They were, it was speaking to me then and it spoke to me the next day when we got together to have coffee. And in the course of like a three hour coffee of getting to know each other, she mentioned that she had been to a, a workshop given by a, a writing teacher who, who taught primarily actors and actresses to write. Mm -hmm. And she pulled out this flyer and I looked at it and I thought, you know what? I'm supposed to do this. This is Suzanne telling me I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. And I, I called the writer, the teacher the next day. It turned out she lived not more than a half a mile away from me. And uh, she had been a musical comedy uh, star on Broadway about the same time I was there doing Fiddler and Grease and all of that. We had a lot in common. And so I started taking her class. Well, if you're going to take a writing class, you've got to write. <laughs> and so I started bringing in homework assignments. And I thought, well, what, what can I write about? I'll, I'll write about these things that have happened to me on a set that I sort of take for granted maybe, but somebody reading it might think it was sort of outrageous and funny or whatever. And uh, so I think the first piece I wrote was about doing what I fondly call the rat movie <laughs> in, uh, in um, Russia. Uh -huh. I took the movie just because I wanted to go to Russia. It was a terrible script, but you know, <laughs> I wanted to go to Russia and it was me and 50 rats 25 of them who were dead, <laughs> you know, they were all supposed to be trained rats. Yeah. And I got there and the stunt woman, I mean, the coordinate, the uh, prop woman said, you know, these are not gutter rats, you know, these are circus rats. <laughs> well, all they were trained to do was eat anything that smelled like fish. So whenever I had a scene where these rats had to swarm all over my body, she took fish heads and squeezed the juice. All oh, over. wow. So I started writing things like that, and yeah. being married to John Carpenter and dating Burt Reynolds and everything. After about six months, the teacher said, you need to get an agent because I think you've got a memoir here. Uh -huh. So I did. The memoir came out. It did very well. And then I was approached by an Irish author who had many, many horror and sci-fi and romance novels published in the UK and, uh, you know, I Ireland and everything. And he said to me, you know, it's a great book, but you wrote the wrong one. You should have written a book for your genre fan base, your, your horror fan base. You know, mm -hmm. you can go to the, what do you call it? The conventions. Convention circuit. People would want to have these. And I thought, well, I don't know about, I, I'm not a plot person, you know, I knew the story of the memoir, but he said, I'll help you with it. So, I sat down and I thought, okay, well, 
let's make her let's make her Armenian because I'm Armenian. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's make her an actress because I'm an actress. She's a vampire, and uh, you're not a vampire. I'm not a vampire. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but it gave me an opportunity. And so the first one we wrote together uh, was called Vampires of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's the, the uh, head of a, of a small independent film studio who has starred in 17 blockbuster horror films and a couple of it just went straight to DVD. And uh, it gave, and, and her clan are all, a-list actors, Orson uh-huh. Welles and Mary Pickford and uh, Robert Downey Jr. and mm-hmm. Elvis, and, you know, and, um, and somebody's bumping them off. So it gave me an opportunity to write what I know about my industry and to get a little couple of jabs in there you uh-huh. know, and uh, to put my humor into it, I hope. And, uh, and to write sort of a detective story, which is what I read primarily. Okay. That was Vampires of Hollywood. And then uh, my co-author got busy with other stuff, and we had gotten a, a deal for several. So I wrote the next one by myself, Love Bites. And I wrote the third one, Murder, uh, Make Me Dead. Uh, you know, and so that completed the trilogy. Okay. And now uh, I have a... a producer who is shopping the second one uh we wrote a screenplay together and you know if it ever happens you know what that's like (laughs) well sure (laughs) but that's exciting because that was one of my questions is have you ever thought about um turning any of your works into film so i'm excited to know that there is a screenplay never in my life did i think i could write a screenplay i don't i don't think in that in that way you yeah. know what it's like yeah the format um, is uh, i don't yeah yeah it's I, I different just, I, it is very different and uh i never i never anti- i mean i never anticipated writing a book at all um but uh but harrison smith uh is is the producer who took an option on it and he said to me can let's try and you know work this screenplay out together as an actor, and this is probably one of your questions way down the road, one of the things I can bring to my writing, I think, I have a good ear for dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a really good ear for dialogue. I know, you know, somebody, nobody, was, nobody talks like that. You know, right. come on, let's, let's, let's fix this. And also, uh, I guess, um, and again, I, it, it comes from acting, I believe, I have a, uh, a, I want to say an I, but it's not really an I. I know how to write, I, I know how to conceptualize action. You know, in other words, if there's a fight scene or something, I can see what the character is doing, how they're mm-hmm. moving their body and everything. So that I could do. And, and, You're a yeah. visual storyteller. I, I guess I am. Maybe, maybe I am. Maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I never, I don't think about it too much. I just... <laughs> Uh, but what it's brought me to now is, um, you know, I was the original Rizzo in the Mm -hmm. first Broadway company of Greece and Greece will have its 50th anniversary on Valentine's day of next year. Okay. And 2022, uh, 
2022. Wow. And we somewhere early on in the pandemic, we had a Zoom reunion of the original cast members and the mm -hmm. director and the producer. And, and I thought, oh, gosh, I'm going to last about 45 minutes on this, you know. And four and a half hours later, we wow. were still telling stories and laughing and crying even. All these stories that yeah, certainly I had never heard. I left the show about six months after it had opened. Because mm -hmm. you got the TV show then? Yes, was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Grease led to Maud. Maud. And um, when we all finished... I thought, you know what? This is a book. These stories are a book. And I, I talked to the director, Tom Moore, and he said, I've been thinking about this for years, uh -huh. you know? And so. But maybe you needed a little push. Maybe yeah. you needed a little push. Yeah. So Tom Moore and Ken Waisman, the, the original producer, and myself reached out to all the actors in the original company in the eight touring companies and the two Ooh. London productions. That's a lot of people. Yes. And uh, said, we would like your memories, your stories of this. We will then take them. We'll, you know, we'll format them. We'll rewrite them a little bit. We'll send them back to you for approval. But we think that these stories will make a wonder. And we've got hundreds of, of photographs and everything. So, yeah. So I've been in the process of editing that primarily. You know, I'm getting other people's work, and and some of it really needs to be restructured. And and uh, but that's trying big, to keep it in their words and that's a and huge in their project. Voice. It is a huge project. It got me through New Zealand. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's gotten me through the pandemic because oh, wow. uh, yeah. So you've been working on this how how long? About a year we, now? Do you think? Well, or? no. I think we started in. Late August. Oh, okay. Half year. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's been wonderful on the days when I don't have any other work to do to have something to do when you can't leave the house. Of course. <laughs> You've found yourself a big project. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be, I mean, that'll be great for the fans, of course. I think, I think. I think they'll really enjoy it. There's some incredible stories there. And, and you know, people, Travolta has contributed and Treat Williams and names that, that everyone will recognize. And then hardcore fans will know all the others, you know, because they went to see Greece so many times. Yeah. This will be the definitive uh, retelling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I'm curious if you've always been a storyteller in one way or another, because uh, when I was a kid, I started out by drawing and I would draw like little comic books and little stories. Um, and that in grade school changed over into filmmaking. So I'm curious if, I, I mean, I know you always, you didn't always think of yourself as a writer and you came into that, but you know, before you went on Broadway and earlier in your childhood, you know, did you did you write any kind of writing? Did you um, did you I like kept, to perform? I assume at, at that point, but I like to perform. I kept a journal okay. just for myself. You know, I think it started in fifth grade. You know, we made brownies today. <laughs> you know that kind of uh -huh. thing. 
deep, some deep stuff. <laughs> deep stuff, deep stuff. <laughs> and uh, when my parents separated, when my dad, you know, that the the real day of the separation, I just put X's across the top of the page uh -huh. and said nothing much happened today uh -huh. <laughs> because this was 1957 and it was very humiliating to have uh -huh. your parents separate. But so I kept a journal and and really tr through the journal, I think I. I worked out a lot of my life, you know, I mean, I could go back and see, and, and the thing that makes me laugh is when, when Tom and Ken asked me to write my remembrances, my remembrances of Greece, I don't remember anything. <laughs> uh, I went back to the journal. I didn't write a word about Greece. I oh, was wow. writing about who I was dating, <laughs> uh -huh. you know, things like that, mm -hmm. but never drew. I, I, to this day, I'll be at a convention or someone come up and say, could you just do a doodle here? I, oh, please, please. I hate that. I just, I can't draw at all. Uh -huh. But I read from a very early age. We, my father worked for mobile oil and we were, he was transferred mm -hmm. many times. So you moved around I, a lot. Yes. And we always moved at the beginning of summer. And so then I didn't know anybody in the new town until school started. I went to the library. I used to check out 15 books every three days, you know, wow. I just read nonstop. And I do remember fantasy play on the playground. I don't remember much about my mm -hmm. life, my childhood up until I was maybe 15 or 16. But I do remember I was a big Black Stallion, Walter Farley, the Black Stallion series. Mm -hmm. And I do remember playing on the playground and I was the black stallion <laughs> and everybody else were my, they were my ponies or something. Uh -huh. uh -huh. <laughs> but no, I, I did not write stories or anything. I mm -hmm. remember my, my high school English teacher, she had a, a, a strong effect on me and language is, has mm -hmm. always been very important to me, but I'm not a, storyteller. I mean, I, I don't think I ever made up stories for the kids or anything mm -hmm. like that. I sang them songs instead. <laughs> sure. Well then, okay. So that came in later. So when, uh, as far as performance, um, you know, and acting, uh, you know, was this something that you came into on your own? Was there someone in your family, um, that maybe inspired you for going that direction? I wouldn't use the word inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I think my mother probably would have liked to have been, you know, more. My mother was very outgoing and, uh, and she started me taking ballet lessons when I was three. So that by the time I was 12, I hated it. Uh -huh. And uh, <laughs> when I was in fifth grade, I think someone said to her, you know, Adrienne has a nice voice. You should, you know, you should, she should take voice lessons. So she, she sacrificed a lot. I mean, she used to drive an hour to a, a conservatory of music, you know, for me to take voice lessons and everything. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, I, I, there was probably a little push from her, mm -hmm. not, not a big push, but a, a little push. She was very proud uh, of my, my work when, mm -hmm. you know, when Maude came on the air and everything. 
my mother was one of those people who could get on a bus, you know, and within three blocks, everybody on the bus would know that she was my mother, as that kind of thing. Oh, okay. You know? But yeah, it was yeah. lovely. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. But, but you know, there was, I mean, there was nobody. I mean, we did, I didn't know you could act for a living. I mean, that wasn't anything anybody did in the 60s, you know. Um, what kind of, like, um, what kind of communities did you grow up in? I assume they were more like, urban you weren't like in the countryside right no you no no well cities. no my yeah my summers were all spent uh in the country uh, in a farm uh, in in uh, the central valley california uh which is why i related mm-hmm. i think so much to catherine, catherine. Mm-hmm. on earth but um i started i was junior high in high school and one year of college in san jose california which was a and yeah, you know, big town, yeah. urban town. And in fact, my my first performances were for the San Jose Civic Light Opera, which was a multi-million dollar wow. organization. It was all uh, community theater, but but they spent the bucks and you know they did a real rehearsal and it was mm-hmm. and and um is this like in high school? High school in age? high school, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had been working uh, in a beauty salon just sweeping hair and taking appointments and everything. And one of the board of directors for the San Jose Civic Light Opera was chatting and she said, oh, we're doing King and I and we're having auditions. And my boss said, you know, Adrienne Singh, she should come in and audition. And uh, what is that? You know, I went and auditioned and they hired me. And then actually it was one of the great blessings of my life, I think, they had a musical comedy review uh, that I was part of. I think there were 12 of us, maybe 16 of us. And we did songs from different musicals. So it was, you know, it was a musical. It, it wasn't a book musical, it was a review. And we applied to the State Department. And Two weeks after I graduated high school, I took my very first plane ride to Yokohama and and embarked on a three-month tour entertaining the armed forces in uh-huh. what in those days was known as the Orient. You know, we were right on the DMZ. Oh wow. In in Korea mm-hmm. on the on the day that the 10-year peace treaty uh, anniversary. Uh, they were they were shooting the guys that were at our show, <laughs> and wow. uh, and we were in Japan and Okinawa and Taiwan and. Uh, Did you travel on your on your own? Well, there were there were, I think there were sixteen of us, and we I, were. I mean, it, but like your mom wasn't there. No, 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 were, no. Okay. It was just the it was just the 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 group. Our director was maybe ten years older, and we had one singer in the show who was. Uh, an adult, but I mean, I was 18 and uh, that's quite a big deal though. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of travel, although you were used to travel. (laughs) Well, I had never been on a plane before. Uh, (laughs) Not that kind of travel. I'd never been out of California or anything. Uh, I realize now how it, it colored my entire worldview. You know, I'm, I love languages. Uh, I, I've studied two or three different ones, and and I think that comes from there. And and you know, an understanding that 
that we're all the same. I mean, we're all, I mean, it just, I I think it did have an effect on me just to be there and to, and to see what other cultures were like. Yeah, definitely gave you perspective. I mean, I get the sense from you, you know, that independence, you know, you're very independent person. I don't want to say a strong woman because I I don't like, (laughs) I don't like when, when people say that, but like, do you, was your mom uh, very independent? Do you get, yes. do you get yes. some of that from her? Yes, and my grandmother. I mean, my, mm-hmm. you know, my grandmother was, uh, escaped the Turks. You know, she came over right, right, to, right before the genocide. Uh, wow. And was, had three children and uh, was widowed. And then remarried and raised another three, I think. Um and you know she was a farm woman. She was. They they were. Armenian women are pretty strong. Tough. You know? She was tough. <laughs> and my mom was was so independent that she was the first, and maybe the only. I'd have to stop and think. She well, she certainly was the first to marry someone who wasn't Armenian, and uh-huh. that wasn't you know that was not acceptable. That was a big and, deal. Yeah, and she left. She left Fresno and she moved, you know, to Sacramento, I think it was. And she was also a very independent woman and uh, or she was a strong woman, I would say, but independent. Yes. And and so I'm sure I got some of it from her, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you would have to be to a just to pursue this career. But then, um, you know, it, it takes um, some courage, I would I would think not just to get up on stage and to perform, but also to to travel the world at such a young age. It's not something everyone would be cut out to do, I would have said. I'd, I'd, you know, when I think about, I don't, I don't think about it in terms of doing that tour, but I do realize when I was 19, when I moved to New York, and I didn't know a soul, but I had been told that I should go to New York, you know, and that's where I should study and everything. And it never crossed my mind to be fri- frightened or concerned or anxious or anything. It was just, well, this was what you were supposed to do. If you wanted to accomplish this, then this mm-hmm. is what you did, you know. Um, before that, I mean, I never, I, you know, I didn't know that people as I said, I didn't know people could earn a living acting. I thought, oh, well, I'll probably um, get my degree and I'll teach acting because I do like acting, you know. And then I met with someone who had been in New York and had been on Broadway. And she said, you should go to New York and do that. Oh, okay. Um, So I thought, well, I'll go. And if nothing happens by the time I'm 25, I'll go back and get my degree and I'll teach acting. Uh So the, the, first goal was to teach and then it became what your maybe your dream goal was then to have a career on Broadway you know my dream goal maybe at that time it was to get on Broadway but it has always been to be able to earn a living doing what I love Mm -hmm. you know and and to yeah just to be able to 
I mean, I, and I think that, well, yeah, you wanted to be on Broadway because that was, and, and my first Broadway show, when they handed me that contract, I take, I took that contract and I took that check and I went right to Bloomingdale's and I got my <laughs> first credit card because I was a working actor with a year long contract. Mm. I was, I mean, what could be more <laughs> glorious than right. to be able to put food on the table while you were doing something you loved? Love. You know? <laughs> uh, so I, I honestly, I mean, maybe my high school friends would say, oh, no, you wanted to be a star, but I don't have a remembrance. It was never like, I want to be a star. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to be a celebrity. Of course, they didn't have celebrities in those days, you know, yeah. not the way we do now. But it wasn't about achieving that. It was about being able to do what I love and not have to do anything else. I love the quote on your website about uh, you honestly don't feel as though you've worked a day in your life. That's right. It's true. I mean, some of them have been harder than others, you know, but, but it's always fun. It's always fun or it's always, it's always edifying and joyful and satisfying, you know, and it's never, oh God, I got to go to work today. You know, it's never that. It's, I don't take the ones that are going to be that either, but at this point now, because I don't have to. <laughs> I'm sure you have, yeah, over over time. I'm curious if, um, you know, for people that are starting out mm. these days, mm. and I know that you, you know, you're, um, you have a son that's in the industry, right, uh, in a different in a different way. I have two sons that are in the music industry. Oh, okay. Yes. Two sons in the music yes. industry. Okay. Yes. All right. So and they have one, kind of, in a way, followed uh, <laughs> the And path. one in the fashion industry. But, oh, okay. But, but, but no actors. <laughs> what advice did, did they ever ask um, you for advice or things to watch out for? Because, um, and we'll get back to the vampires because I'm curious why you chose vampires. Oh. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's not an easy industry by any means, the entertainment industry at large. Um, is there any advice for people starting out or that you gave to your own children to watch out for? <laughs> you know, the, the, there's only two things thoughts that come to my mind um, in answer to that question, S certainly to actors but, and, and to musicians, which both my boys are, um, or composers, is, you know, to know your craft. I mean, to, to really learn your, you know, you may have a, 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 a raw talent, but you need to learn how to use it. But the other one is the more you can know about yourself, and this really applies to acting, I believe, whether it's through 
therapy or meditation or, you know, uh, however you can do your own self-exploration and really get to know yourself, what, what, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what you react to automatically without, because so many, in fact, I was just reading something. Oh, it was what Tom Moore had written about auditioning actors. It's somebody comes into a room and they bring themselves with them. And, you know, if, if that actor doesn't, doesn't think, thinks he's good, too good, and he shouldn't even be having to be there, that shows up, you know, Mm -hmm. or if they're terrified, I mean, so, I mean, therapy has been my go-to place and not for a long time, but uh, it really was instrumental in, in helping me, you know, get to where I am now, I think. Mm -hmm. So the important, kind of the importance of self-care and taking, taking the time to. And Uh self-knowledge. And, uh, you know, when I first started out, I thought, oh, you know, I can't, you can't say you want to be a star. That's a, that's a, that's an embarrassing thing to say. And and then what if you say that and you don't achieve it? You know, that's even worse, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, if you're going in with that kind of uh, attitude, um, you're probably not going to get hired any more so than if you think, Oh, like I'm better than everybody here, you know? So, uh, so th- those are the only two things, but, but really, Learn your craft. I mean, if you're an actor, learn how to act. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, I and I hate to say this, but because I'm old now, so now I I I have worked with some young people who don't even bother to learn their lines. Oh, wow. Or, I mean, I, I still remember doing a scene and the director said to this young, I mean, he was, he was a, probably a teenager, maybe he'd been a Disney star or something, I don't even, but he said to him, okay, uh, on that line, I want, I'd like you to start there and end up over here and blah, 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 blah. And this kid said, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. My character wouldn't do that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I was like uh, biting my tongue because it's between him and the director. But, right. uh, you know, try and develop a sense of professionalism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, as a, di- a director, I don't know if you've ever come across that, but it's like, or maybe you don't, hi- you won't hire somebody like that. <laughs> well, and sometimes you don't know and, until it's too late. Until too. it's too I mean, late. Yeah. You know, it, I didn't have uh, on Unearth. There were no like issues with the cast. There were issues with crew that it was. Um, you know, some of them we were able to remedy before it started, but some of them, yeah, it was too late. So it's like, yeah, I always wonder. How, you know, other that would be difficult being a, another person on the cast. I mean, do you then, you know, try and. Like if you have a good relationship with that actor, do you try and kind of smooth it in yourself, or do you always are you always like, ah, oh, that's the director's thing, and I shouldn't get involved? What I might do if 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 it's if it's directly impacting me, 
Yeah, like you're if you're playing off of that person or Yes, I have worked with with another actor who just refused to say any of the words that were on the script, you know. I mean it was just and just was rewriting and 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 it was a very fast kind of thing. It was that was a soap opera. Um to the point where it was like uh did you just finish? And am I supposed to speak? Is that my, you know, is that kind of thing? <laughs> wow. So if, if it were really to impact me, I might say to someone, you know, I really need to hear this at least. So I'll know, you know, where we're going or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would never presume to, if somebody was having trouble and I saw that, and I thought I had an idea about how they could achieve what they needed to achieve and they weren't getting that Mm -hmm. input from the director, I might say, you know, what if you thought this, blah, 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 would that help or something like that? Uh Yeah. Yeah. I don't like a soft approach. Yes. 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 I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, one, one thing on, you know, on on earth, which, and I hope that we, I I mean, I feel like Gerard and I made the, um, effort to make it collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration. (laughs) Like you, you were, um, I loved your, your suggestions and, um, you know, not, not all actors are comfortable with saying like, oh, I think this line needs to Mm. be changed or something like that. Is that something that you've kind of always had? Have you always loved that collaborative spirit? Um, or did it take some time to get comfortable, you know, to, to get to that level? It took time. You know, when I first started on Maud, uh, <laughs> having only done theater, I, I came into the rehearsal room feeling that everyone there was more talented than I was and more uh had more expertise than I did and had certainly had more credits than I did I was I was you know the young person on the mm-hmm. show and I just sort of sat at the table read and never spoke up well if you're doing a half hour sitcom and you don't speak up in the table in the writers room they don't know how to write for you, you know, so they never, they didn't, they weren't getting a sense of who I might be or what my humor was or anything. So they kept started writing more straight lines and everything. And, um, and, and that's where therapy came in. I I, I finally, but it wasn't, I don't, I'm trying to remember if there was a time because it just happened to me again. I just did a project, a, um, a musical radio show. Okay. And we rehearsed, we rehearsed it once and we got to a couple of the lines and I said to the writer, you know what? She wouldn't say that. She needs something else there. She wouldn't capitulate that fast. And he said, oh, okay, fine. I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, you, you get, at least I feel like I get to know the character. And I guess that's what w- I did with you, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember specifics, but there must have been a, a, a moment or two where I thought, wouldn't maybe she would react this way instead? I don't you'd have you remember, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember the cases. It was the like around the Carencia line, um, you know, and that the whole bullfighting. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. That yes. conversation. Yes. Um, with with her uh 
with Kat, uh, with Christina there at the yes. boat. And then also um, during the dinner scene between the two families, um, there was some dialogue there. It was, well, because I remember you were asking about the Bible verse um, that yes. I put in there about make a tree. Yes. You know, the, the yeah. whole thing about make a tree good, its fruit will be good. Um, yeah, I mean, but, you know, you would either call us or send me an email because we it was good that we brought you on far enough ahead of time that we were able to actually, you know, build a bit of a relationship and have a dialogue <laughs> before. Yeah. I, I can't imagine for actors like PJ, for example, um, he was like the last one who came onto the project and he basically was just dropped on the set, like coming <laughs> right off of another project. And we didn't get to really have the conversation that I got to have with you. I would love to always have, you know, some, some time before a shoot to talk about the character. I can't imagine being an actor and just being dropped in without talking to the director. That's going to be <sighs> tough. Well, that's television acting too, you know. Ooh. I mean, you don't even talk to the director even once you've started, very rarely. I mean, wow. you know, a lot of times the director mm. is just, he's the traffic cop. Right. Um, but, uh, I, I, God forbid, they, <laughs> but, and the ones who are good are the ones who will come over and say, you know what, maybe it shouldn't be quite that strong or, mm. or can you give it to me like this or, or th like this and, and, um, but I think I remember, I don't remember ever in, well, of course, with Maud, I mean, we had a director who was with us, you know, for six years. So and you have so the same, same director for yes, the run of yes, that show. Yes. That's great. And we have four and a half days of rehearsal. And so there was a lot of back and forth mm -hmm. um, with the writers as well. But I remember the first, John and I did The Fog together, John mm -hmm. Carpenter. And um, John is not a director, or he wasn't at that time, who wants anybody ad-libbing or uh -huh. advising or anything like that. The words we, on the page are precious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to a scene, uh, it's where the, um, the driftwood has just, caught on fire or something. And I grabbed the fire extinguisher and I put the driftwood out and it's the next scene after that. And John said, okay, sit down and we'll do it. And I said, sit down. Oh, John, uh, <laughs> I don't think she'd sit down. I think she's, she's way too his nervous or, or, you know, whatever the emotion was, you know, to, to sit down. And he said, okay, stand up and we'll do it. <laughs> and that was, about <laughs> that was it. You know, <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, it, it but it takes a director like you that that is open to it, you know, that, that where I will feel I mean, I'll try, but uh, you know, if to say, are, are these words set in stone, mm -hmm. or how do you feel about this, or how do you feel about that? I would never ad lib something without having run it by the director mm -hmm. because I feel like you know. The writers were well. I come from stage too, you know. Right. Uh, you don't. Yeah, do you can't that. go up there and ad lib. <laughs> no, <laughs> that would be a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's. I'm curious about vampires, and then <laughs> I'm also curious 
you know, that now that you're doing a bunch of writing in this huge project, especially, I'm curious how you organize your thoughts and your ideas. Like, what is generally your process when, when you decide, maybe when you did the second and the third books on your own? Right. Um, how do you approach, like, keeping things organized? Are you very well organized meticulously? Do you keep notes somewhere? Do you have books? Do you have, uh, you know, <laughs> Word documents? Like, I'm, I'm a little curious on your process. And I am a very organized person. And I'm a very, and, I, and logic is very important to me. I outline them to okay. a certain extent. Uh-huh. And then if... You know, if, if the characters were taking me in a different direction, then, I mean, if something came into my mind as I was writing, then I would either incorporate that or, okay, how's this going to change what's, what I think is supposed to come next? Mm -hmm. um, because I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm telling they were basically, well, like detective stories only in the world of vampires, you know, um, or th thrillers or whatever you call it. And in terms of my writing habits, oh God, it was just like having a, a master's, you know, it was just like having homework. <laughs> so you just, you just got up and you just did it all day until you couldn't do it anymore. And, and uh, so you had like a daily routine schedule. Yeah, you wrote, you tried to write every day or did oh, you take yes. like, okay. Oh Yes. Um, and it was right I, when you I woke up. I remember being on vacation with, with <laughs> Billy and, and my ex-husband and the kids. You know, at some sitting by the pool. I remember going to the beauty salon and I had my computer and oh, I was wow. writing in the beauty salon. I do remember that. But it was just like, well, this has to be done. You know, <laughs> so mm -hmm. get up and write. And um, uh, and even now, working on Greece, tell me more, tell me more, which is the title. I get up, I walk the dogs, I have breakfast, and then it's right into the room, and I'm going to finish this and this and this. Okay. And then if I finish that in the day, then I can do the laundry and stuff like that. But then you get a reward for the laundry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when, you know, five or six comes along and it's like, that's it, I am I'm burned out. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even walking into the, I'm not even looking at the computer anymore. So. Yeah. So you yeah, put in a full, that's a full day. Wow. <laughs> it is. I mean, sometimes it's broken up because I have to go, you know, to the dentist or something like mm -hmm. that. But, um, or I just do it until it's finished. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> mm -hmm. And you work best in the, in the morning, like start your day off. Yes, yes, yes. If get I didn't have the dogs, I'd just get up and, you know, get right started. But, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting when I, um, wrote my first feature for some reason i mean that one was deeply personal it was uh it was called schism and it was my father had alzheimer's um and so it was a story of, and i was writing it while my father was in decline and um i needed to like you know ex i needed this project like i needed to try and understand and exercise those struggles you know of of having someone um you know, know. that that you see crumble in front like my dad was uh he was in the marine corps he was in korea he ran like miles every day he was an outdoorsman and just seeing him like 
change, you know, yeah. and, and crumble over such a short amount of time. For some reason, schism, I always wrote like at night and late, but then with unearth it, like you, it would be, um, yeah, I would get up early and I, I had, you know, that was the best time for me to write. So I'm not sure that I've found like my pattern, but I think since unearth, I've kind of stuck with the morning thing. The nighttime thing is, I don't know, it might have just been because I was in a different mental state. But yeah, it's it's interesting. So so you you like starting out early. Um, I'm an early I mean I wake up at 6 every day, you know, whether I want to or not and uh, yeah, that's and my father was like that too. He used to wake up at 4, I think. And uh, so but I have two sons. <laughs> Cody Carpenter, my, my older son, who's, you know, a musician and composer, mm -hmm. Cody's up early. Okay. He goes to bed early. Uh -huh. but the other two and uh, are, are uh, you know, their night, they're. Yeah. Well, William is a music producer. So, I mean, sometimes he's coming in from a, a session at five in the morning, you right. know, and. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, when as long as you find as long as you are in touch with when your creativity is peaking, then that's that's yeah. when you should be doing it, I guess. I have a favorite story that I learned in that writing class. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the it. other one of the other writers had been friends with or his dad had been friends with, I don't know, um James Clavell. And he said he used to wake up in the morning. He had a typewriter table next to his bed. He pulled the typewriter table over, turned his body, wrote, was it 1,200 words or was it 12? He had a, a set amount that he wrote, 12 pages or 1,200 words or something. I don't remember. Put the typewriter wet table away and got up and went and played golf. And that's how he wrote all of those those long, long books. Wow. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but I loved it. it was, yeah, that's that was, different. <laughs> that's different. Yeah, yeah. I, I would sometimes, you know, like, it, yeah, when you're laying, laying awake in bed, sometimes things will come to me. Like Dorota, for example, she's a night owl. She's like you were describing your, your one son. She can sometimes be up until four or five in the morning working. So sometimes I'll be in bed and like an idea will pop into my head for like the script and I'll be like, Dorota, just text me. And then I'll tell her like the idea that popped <laughs> yeah. into my head. So, you know, yeah, it would be nice to have like a, I don't keep digital, you know, like a phone or a computer or something in next to me and in, in bed i try and like keep technology oh. away from me <laughs> one once in a while um, i've been known to uh wake up and reach over for the phone and hit the um voice memo oh yeah that's and smart. because i because i could just see how that sentence should go mm -hmm. you know whatever it was maybe i needed an introduction to something or something and i just blah, 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 and then put it away and yeah that's smart. the next morning it's like what did I say? I can barely hear my voice. This dream was. Oh, that's good though. Yeah, because stuff will come in like at any time, right? And yeah. You, have, you don't yeah. want to forget it because, um, yeah, that yeah, the text memo. That's smart. Yeah, maybe I need to do that. You just do, you just use the voice memo. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Got an iPhone. I don't know, but you yeah. just 
memo thing. You know? Yeah, there you and go. Good, good tip there. <laughs> so as far as reading, um, obviously you're an avid reader. And uh, I, I did make mention, uh, and I noticed for sure, that you're always reading on set during downtime. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm curious, do you have a stack of of things that you're just working through or do you choose things specifically based on a project or a character or is that just coincidental what you're reading at any certain point in time? Yeah, no, it's not based. I mean, I read uh, Hemingway when, because, you uh -huh. know, because we related to it in, in unearth and, yeah. and I don't think I ever had read. Um, what was the one about the, the the rising sun. Uh, the, oh, the, oh, yeah, yeah. The bull, the bull, one? the bullfight one yeah. with Hemingway. Yeah. I, I had never read that before. Uh -huh. But no, I, I read totally for pleasure. Um, your audience can't see this, but this is <laughs> part of. Oh wow. The part of my, you know, I have another room downstairs. But Adrian, I Adrian is showing me a lot of books. <laughs> a lot of books. A lot of books. But and and. Uh, and I, I mean, I would much rather read hardbounds than anything else. But, you know, you get to the point where it's uh, where am I going to store them? And do I really want to spend that much money when I can get it on Kindle for right. a lot less? But I don't enjoy reading on Kindle the way I do uh, um, hardbounds. I have probably 20 authors that I buy consistently okay. on their, their hardbounds. Do I you want to name some of your favorites? Well, or? I, lo I love Michael Connolly. Okay. Your audience would know from Bosch, you know, but um, mm -hmm. and the Lincoln lawyer and all of that. I love John Sanford, Julie Smith, Joe Nesbo, Henning Mankell. Uh, I, I realize a lot of men. A lot of men. Yeah. <laughs> Th that's never been the consideration, but um, <laughs> but I I realize with everything that's been going on in the world the last couple of years, mm -hmm. I'm, I sort of have moved away from some of the darker, you okay. know, Henning Mankell and Joe Nesbo are both Scandinavian. Uh, and it, it's, they're pretty dark. Are there types, types that you go for? Like um, you said, you like detective. I like, I, I love de detectives. I love espionage. Oh, uh, oh, oh what's his name? Um, I love series novels, uh, Jack okay. Reacher, you know, uh, uh -huh. the child. And then on my Kindle, <laughs> there's this great, um, I guess it's an app or it's a, a website called BookBub. BookBub. You, you can sign up for BookBub and you put in the types of books you like, nonfiction, historical fiction, whatever, and the types of and the names of authors you like, and every morning they send you an email with a list of maybe ten or twelve books, most of them you know award winning or you know uh, covering any of these topics that you like that are on sale for, uh -huh. uh, for Kindle. You know they're like a dollar ninety nine instead uh -huh. of ninety nine, and so. I researched that. Oh, there's there's this wonderful, <laughs> wonderful writer named Colin Cotterell, who writes about a Laotian, the only Laotian coroner in Laos. <laughs> okay. he, he's about 70 years old. 
Dr. Siri. Is this fiction or non-fiction? It's fiction. Oh, oh it's okay. fiction. Okay. And uh, he has spirits that sometimes visit him, but it's very witty. And <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I just. And you discovered I, this this author through BookBub? Or I did. did yes, oh, okay. I discovered uh-huh. him through BookBub. Yeah. Joe Ide, I.D., uh, Lawrence Sanders. I used to love, I like uh, legal dramas too, okay. uh-huh. courtroom dramas. You know who turned me on? And this goes way back to the 80s, I think. I think Tom Atkins, you know okay. Tom. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom Atkins Actor. turned me on to the Spencer novels by Robert B. Parker. Okay. And Tell me about what, the Spencer novels. Oh, well, they made a series out of it. And I think they've made... They just made a, there was just a movie made. Oh, yeah. There was a show called Spen- Spencer. Spencer. Yeah. 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 Okay. Spencer. Just Spencer. Yeah. Spencer is a Boston PI. You okay. know, he's a big guy. His girlfriend is a psychiatrist. <laughs> but, uh, but Robert B. Parker wrote, it was, again, they were witty and he wrote a lot of dialogue. It was mm-hmm. all in dialogue, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that was one of the very first series novelists that I ever read back in the 80s, except for, well, uh, the uh, Walter Farley (laughs) when I was a kid, the the Uh Black Stallion, because he wrote a whole bunch of Black Stallions. And I'm sure I read, I did read Nancy Drew, and I did read the Hardy Brothers, I think, you know, so I started early Mm -hmm. with series, series authors. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're always reading, so. um... It's my escape. Yeah. You know, some people watch movies or TV mm-hmm. and, and uh, it's it's especially on a set. It's I just go there and and I'm not thinking about what's going on in the world <laughs> right. for a few hours. <laughs> right. Well, I wanted to touch on that a little bit because, um, you know, you had you had talked about you had alluded <laughs> to uh, how recent years have been, um, you know, in the past. uh actors and you know people on on social media they it was kind of a a faux pas to maybe talk about politics but i i do notice on your social media that um you're not so afraid to you know have political uh posts political discussion Uh, is that something that you've got more comfortable in recently was it just inspired quote unquote by um uh, certain administrations <laughs> that, that brought something out of you. Cinema Activist is produced by Lion's Den Productions. Hosted by John C. Lyons. Music by Tony Gray. Support the efforts of Lion's Den Productions by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Productions. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon.